You're now listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Our message today was preached by our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff Laird. Have a listen. One month from today, it's Easter. We are uh, a month away from Easter weekend. And it got me thinking about the season of Lent and, of course, Jesus and the story of Jesus and all that it entails. And there's one story about the death of Jesus that's uh, recorded at the end of Matthew that, um, can I just say it's weird? It's weird. It's a bit of a weird story, but it's an awesome story. And I wanted to kind of dig into it today. I want to, uh, my title today, and we're going to be going off, off of the theme, signs, miraculous signs. Um, put up for me Matthew chapter 27, and here's the story. It says, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. Uh, and one of them ran and filled the sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted out again, shouted, don't miss. He didn't go, it is finished. He shouted with a victorious shout and then released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all the other things that had happened. And they said, this man truly was the son of God. It's a, it's, it's a, a unique story. Signs, miraculous signs. Signs are such an important part of our lives, aren't they? Like sometimes they're helpful, you know, like when you're looking for a sign and you can't find one. And then when you're inundated with signs, you know, like sometimes they're helpful and sometimes they're not. It's like that old song, you know, from years ago. Uh, sign, sign, everywhere a sign. Um, blocking out the scenery, uh, breaking my mind. Do this, don't do that. Can't you read the sign? It's like signs everywhere. When Jesus died, I want to talk about three miraculous signs that happened. Um, in fact, it was technically four, but uh, we can't be here all day. But uh, three that I want to talk about today. Um, and each of them, I believe, pointed to a greater truth. Um, it, like, these events don't happen for nothing. Why does the curtain tear in the, in, in the temple? Why does the earthquake hit? Why do tombs split open? Why are godly men and women raised from the dead and walking around? Why does it happen? There, it's not a random thing. It's not a by accident thing. Something very significant is going on. And so I, I want to just look at these events. So Jesus goes to the cross about 9 a.m. And uh, he hangs there for about six hours and dies at approximately 3 p.m. But at noon... 
darkness falls across the land for three hours. And it was, I believe it was, a, a, you know when there's a darkness and then there's a darkness? You know what I'm saying? It was black. In fact, I think myself, just, just my thought, that I think it was something similar to what happened in Egypt during the plagues. And this is how it was described. Put up for me Exodus 10. It says, the Lord said to Moses, lift your hand toward heaven and the land of Egypt will be covered with a darkness so thick that you can feel it. Isn't that awesome? So Moses lifted his hand to the sky and a deep darkness covered the entire land of Egypt for three days. During all that time, the people could not see each other and no one moved, but there was light, hallelujah, come on, as usual, where the people of Israel lived. Where the children of God were, there was no darkness. But that's a whole other sermon, but that's a good one too. Darkness falls. It's not normal for the sky to go totally black in the, in the height. It's, it's, it's the middle of the day, the height of noon there, and all of a sudden it goes black, and it's black, black. It's not a normal darkness. Darkness doesn't come across the land at 12 noon. It, there's something unique happening. There's something supernatural going on. Jesus is on the cross. He's hanging there in complete and utter darkness, and he's feeling the pain of being separated from his father. And he cries out, you know, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. And he's feeling this separation from the father. And he's suffering, and, and I don't even believe we under, can understand 1% of what he was going through in that moment. And our sin, not his, was the, was the cause. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the first one I want to talk about is the curtain. The curtain. So the moment Jesus dies, the curtain in the temple is torn into two. It says it's torn from top to bottom, completely torn into two. So the temple basically has three main parts to it. Um, there's the courts and the holy place and then the most holy place, or some, some of you would know it as the holy of holies. Um, and this is where God's presence was. And only the high priest was allowed into the most holy place once a year on the Day of Atonement to make sacrifices, blood sacrifices, for the sins of all of Israel. And he would go in once a year. And the curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place. That's, that's what we're talking about, okay? It's separated, uh, it, it, it shut off the most holy place from the people. It was a barrier, actually, between God and the people. And if you weren't the high priest, and it wasn't the Day of Atonement, going in there was certain death. You could not go in. As a matter of fact, uh, they even, they, later, they even began to tie a rope around the high priest so that when he was in there, they would tie bells on him. And as long as the bells were ringing, they knew that he was okay. But they knew they couldn't go in, so they tied a rope around him. If something went wrong, they had to pull him out because they couldn't go in to get him. This is how serious it was and how separated it was and how holy and awesome and powerful it was that human flesh couldn't stand to go in. So this curtain that, se that is separates the most holy place, I want you to understand, people don't get it, but this curtain was massive. 
It was not some little shear that you have hanging in your living room. It was massive and not something that was easily torn. Um, there's, there's a little bit of debate about size and thickness of the curtain, but it, it was basically this, give or take. It was about 60 feet high. It was about 30 feet wide, and it was somewhere between one to four inches thick. It was a massive, massive curtain. In fact, they said it was so heavy that it took 300 priests to lift it and to to put it into place. So the moment Jesus dies, this massive curtain is torn in two from top to bottom like it's a piece of paper, just poof, and it's gone. And no one had ever seen it before. No one even thought it was even possible before. I'm sure all the priests were probably freaking out and running around wondering what in the world is going on. The curtain that separates us from the Holy of Holies is now torn in two. It's this miraculous sign. All of a sudden, the way to God's presence is now open. Isn't that good news today? The way into his presence is now open for all. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter. We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and a life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. See, before Jesus, there was no one, no one, no one would dare to boldly go, uh, Captain Kirk, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Like, but they, they would not boldly go into God's presence. They would not boldly go into the most holy place. The penalty for such arrogance was death. But now we are invited in. The curtain has been torn and we are welcome. He has he, 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 the, like the way is open. Just, just, just let that sink into your spirit today. Like because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we are welcomed into the most holy place. It's pretty phenomenal. He's paid the price. The barrier of sin that kept us away has now been removed and heaven has now been made available to us. The tearing of the curtain is God's invitation to come to him. Please understand that this invitation, it means you. It includes you. Whoever you are today in this room or watching at home, maybe you're going to watch on Tuesday night. You need to know that it includes you. It means you. Everybody is welcomed into his presence. It's a personal relationship with Jesus is now possible for anyone in any place of any culture and in any condition you are welcomed into his presence. See, the way is open. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. I, I, I got this phrase. It just came to me. Maybe this will inspire you. But the curtain was torn in two for you. I just made that up. It's, it's not that deep. But, but the curtain was torn in two for you. That's the truth. It's an invitation into his presence. So this is the first miraculous sign when Jesus died. The second is the earthquake. At the moment Jesus dies, it says that the earth shook, that rocks split apart, and tombs were opened. Again, 
This was no normal earthquake. It just didn't randomly happen at that exact moment. It was a supernatural planned event by the hand of God. Remember, we see, we see this uh, throughout Scripture from time to time. Remember when Paul and Silas were sitting in jail? Remember? And the earthquake hits, and it's so localized, it's right on that prison, you know, and all the doors fling open, and, and it, it's this miraculous thing that God does to, uh, to, uh, to, to accomplish his purpose for the day. It's a supernatural event. So something unique is going on. Jesus dies, and the earth shakes to the point where rocks are splitting apart and tombs are being split wide open. It's a sign of the immensity of the moment. Like, don't miss this. You're, you're being, the, the ground is shaking as a result of the perfect, sinless Son of God dying, and the earth is shaking in reaction to it. It's a moment. It's an immense moment. And uh, it, it's, it's something, I was thinking this, that a star signaled the birth of Jesus and a shaking was the sign of his death. And th this is exactly what happened here in Matthew 27. It got me thinking too about when the Lord revealed himself to the Israelites on Mount Sinai, the, the whole, it says that the whole mountain shook. They were, they were, God was just about to give Moses the Ten Commandments, the law. And he goes up and the mountain shakes. Look at uh, Exodus 19, verse 18. It says, all of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln. And the whole mountain shook violently. He's just about to give Moses the Ten Commandments. And it was, of course, the law that people were to obey, but it was also the law that they were to measure themselves to. That people, if there was any doubt, if you thought you were good, if you thought you were okay, compare yourself to the law and you'll quickly find out that you weren't going to measure up. And so God is giving them this, uh, this experience as the Ten Commandments are, being, are, are, are just about to come. So... It's this terrifying moment. The mountain is shaking. Uh, smoke is rising. It's, it's scary, scary, scary. In fact, Moses himself was scared. The people were wanting to run away. It was, it was a really scary thing. You can read about it. But it, it, it got me thinking they'd never forget that, would they? They'd never forget that day when they saw Mount Sinai shake. They never forgot that day when the ground shook when Jesus died either. Galatians 3 says that the law was given to show people their sin. And now here we are at the death of Jesus. The earth is shaking again. And something, something very significant is happening. It's a sign that something very, very important is going on. Everyone's feeling it. The ground is shaking. And it's like it's time. This is how I, I, I was thinking about it, that it's time to wake up to the truth of who Jesus is. It's time to realize who he is, that the Son of God is, di is dying and the earth is shaking. And this is a moment. This is something that he's done. What has he done? 
He's fulfilled the law. He's accomplished the law. He's paid the price. He's set us free. That the old covenant now has been fulfilled and he's been and he's replacing it now with the new covenant. That it's a moment in time that's very, very significant. And I, I just feel like it's a reminder to us today, too, that we sometimes need just a good shaking. We we don't need we we don't need it's not about shaking for the sense of shaking. Uh, what I mean is this, you know, sometimes we say we just need a good kick in the pants, you know. Sometimes we just need to wake up. Sometimes we just need things to be shaken off of us. Sometimes, like if COVID has done anything to us, folks, it has put us to sleep. It has put us to sleep. We sit at home, we vegetate, we watch way too much Netflix, and we turn into vegetables sitting at home not being able to communicate, not being able to do the things we do. Everything has been weird. It's, it's thrown us off. And one of the things that it, that it, it has done, I believe, it, it, it has threatened us with apathy and indifference. It has threatened us with being put to sleep and being satisfied and not being hungry for the presence of the Lord. And this is something that we cannot accept, amen? It's something that we need to reject and say, Lord, I am back. If I was sleeping, please shake me awake. Shake me loose. Shake me up. It's time. It's time. It's time. Shake us loose. It's an incredible moment that's going on. Jesus is dying, and the whole earth shakes. The Son of God has died in our place, and he's brought us hope, he's brought us salvation, he's brought freedom, he's brought all these things. I got thinking about, too, in the shaking and the significance of the death of Jesus and how the old covenant now has been replaced, and we, we classify ourselves as new covenant people. Look at these verses, Hebrews uh, chapter 10. It says, then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. And look at Hebrews 12, an awesome portion of scripture. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's Firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God Himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. You are new covenant people. We don't stand at Mount Sinai in 
fear like that anymore. We stand and say, shake us up, Lord. Shake us up and shake us loose. Fill us with your spirit. May we go as men and women ignited on fire, passionate for the things of God. May we be people who are ready to go. We are new covenant people with a message that must be told. It is a message that must be heard. And somehow, some way, we've got to shake ourselves out of the doldrums. We've got to shake off our fear. We've got to shake off our apathy. We've got to shake off our negativity. We've got to shake off the works, the tricks, the traps of the enemy. We've got to shake it off, and we've got to move forward. He is the Savior of the world. When he died, the earth shook. And we are children of God. We no longer, we no longer run to Mount Sinai to receive the law. We run to the Mount Zion, the city of the living God. We don't need to offer blood sacrifices again and again and again for our sin. It has been done once and all by the perfect, sinless, matchless Son of God. And his name is? It's Jesus. When he died, something significant happened. So significant that the earth shook, that the rocks split, and that tombs were split open. I'm not forgetting that one. He has fulfilled the law, and something new and something powerful has begun. Lastly, it's the resurrections. And just look at the story of verse, put up, for me, verse 50, Matthew 27, 50. Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. And the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. Just... Just pause. Like, that's just a crazy story. Seriously. Hey, my grandfather who died, you know, uh, I don't know, 35 years ago, all of a sudden he just comes strolling down Main Street. Yo, what's going on? It didn't appear to Crazy Joe at the end of Allen Street. No, he says that they appeared to many people throughout the city. It wasn't a random, weirdy thing. It was like they were all over the place. It says many godly women, many were raised to life and were seen. Many. So it's been debated uh, whether this event happened at the time of Jesus' death or uh, three days later at, at his resurrection. Um, so what is clear is that the the resurrected saints didn't go into Jerusalem, it says, until after Jesus was resurrected. That's what the word says. So I think that it makes sense that the tombs were opened at his death and then during, uh, during the earthquake, and then the people came to life after the resurrection of Jesus, and then they all went into the city at that point. I think that makes the most sense. If if it doesn't, then they were resurrected on Friday. They just hung out drinking coffee in the cemetery until Sunday, and then they went in. 
which didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me, but I don't know. And if you think different, it doesn't even matter. But I just was imagining the scene. I mean, could you imagine, seriously? Imagine the scene. Seeing a friend, a loved one, someone that you knew, an old pastor, you know, someone that you knew loved God, a godly man, a godly woman who had died years ago, and here they are walking around the town. It was an amazing thing. Look at 1 Corinthians with me, uh, 15. It says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest, and then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. There is an order to it. It says that these resurrected godly men and women were seen by many. That, that clearly, this resurrection is a sign. It's a sign of God's promise that one great and glorious day, he's going to raise every man and woman, boy and girl, who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. One day, it's going to happen for real. Look at this one, 1 Corinthians 15. Sometimes this gets read at funerals, but I, I want you to read it and just, just again, just let it refresh you again. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? And O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. An awesome portion of scripture. So the curtain is a sign that the way to God is open. The earthquake points to the significance of the death of Jesus, that He's fulfilled the law of God, and he's beginning something that we call the new covenant. The resurrection is a sign that he has conquered sin and death. And one great and glorious day, every godly man and woman will rise. I'm just pausing for a moment just to let that sink in. Sometimes... Those of us who have gone to church a long time, it's, you know, I, we're, I'm, I'm prepping, for, uh, prepping for communion and we, we're, we're thankful what Jesus has done and we're thankful for all that he's accomplished. But I want you to know today, he's done more than we could ever understand. He's done more than we could comprehend. He has saved us and set us free like no one, no one 
could ever done. And if there's ever a time in our lives to be thankful for hope, to be thankful that if the worst possible thing happens to us physically, we are safe in the hands of God. And I'm very thankful for that. Amen. So the curtain is a sign that the way is open to the Lord. We can have relationship with him. He's welcoming us. The earthquake points to the significance and the resurrection is a sign that he's conquered sin and death. His promise to raise up those who believe in him is real. His promise to raise up those who believe in him is true. And there's an incredible future that lies ahead for all the children of God. Because I just got out of this series from from 1 John, I had to throw a 1 John verse in, okay? But check this out, 1 John chapter 3. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. I love that scripture. In fact, when I graduated from Bible college 108 years ago, I, I put that in my yearbook as one of my go-to verses. Because for me, it's like, it says, you are deeply loved. You are deeply cherished. You are deeply valuable to me. The world may not recognize who you are, but understand that you're a child of God. And one day, one great day, you're going to see him, and you're going to be made like him, and you will be with him. And whatever you go through, whatever, whatever ups and downs come our way, this is the foundation that we build our lives on. We work for the kingdom that will never end. We serve a God who is all-powerful. We know that when we close our eyes here, he is waiting for us on the other side. There is no fear for the child of God. For we are loved, we are valued, we are treasured, we are empowered. We are given life and hope and victory. And there is something to it. We live now abundantly, but this abundant life that we experience now will be nothing compared to being in his presence, in the most holy place, with no sin, no sickness, no disease, no handicaps, no dysfunctions, no troubles, and we will be with him forever. This is something to look forward to. So listen, if you're here today or you're watching online, understand, you are loved. So loved. Believer, you have no need to fear living now. There's nothing that you need to live in fear of. Not now, and there's nothing you need to fear when physical death will come to us. There's nothing to fear. The way is open. The price has been paid. The invitation goes out to the world. Whosoever will may come. You can know him. You can experience his life. You can know his power. And you can live in the security of his love. It is all available to us. 
because the curtain is torn, the earth is shaken, and there is a resurrection that's yet to come. And his name is Jesus. You have been listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stovall Pentecostal Church, including events, ministries, and service time, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. You can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast store, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.